Hey, Lurid listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet that says, I heart the KMQ, but please, no DMs, live tweets only. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, to play with it, smack it, and rub it down occasionally. We want you to enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations, spanning many literary genres, including action-adventure, science fiction, romance, horror, fantasy, and paranormal. You're laughing through this. You're laughing through this. <laughs> well, because you got, there's a creature crawling behind you. Look back up at him again. He's going to jump on you. Okay, start over maybe. Please listen responsibly. Oh my god. Help him! He's gonna fall otherwise. He's just gonna do it again. Well, so maybe we should do as I proposed earlier is lock him in our room? I don't know. He's fun. Okay, alright. Hey, your pussy is unrestrained. <laughs> that is true. It totally is. <laughs> Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is Rose Carraway, and joining me in the studio, as always, is Big Daddy Dave Carraway. Say hey, Big Daddy. Hugh Hefner in the building? <laughs> He's totally Hugh Hefner right now, in his bathrobe. An awesome looking, bathrobe. Looking sexy. This is the best bathrobe I have ever had. It's <laughs> that kind of, and I literally look like Hugh Hefner. You this. do, literally. Yeah. So that must make me... One of the bunnies. Of I don't course, know you're bunny. my bunny. I'm be a bunny. No, you're my pussy. Yeah, my pussy. Kitty, kitty. Speaking of, you're a oh, kitten. Yeah, I got a new kitty. He's, and he's in here right now. He's he's causing a ruckus. <laughs> he's causing problems. <laughs> Sound. Well, you're a good editor. You'll fix it. <laughs> nah, I think it's fun. Well, what's going on, man? What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. Where you been? <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Uh, yeah, so hey, welcome back to the KMQ. Um, we've been away for a minute, and there are reasons. We've um, slowly had to get secondary jobs because the KMQ show was just not supporting itself the way it used to. So, you know, with normal business, that happens. And so we've had to compensate and balance in whole new ways. I'm so worried he's going to claw my face off. He's clawing. He's oh. climbing, literally climbing the walls in here. He's, yeah. Cats. He's a little kitten. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, it's been um, interesting. Um, but, you know, you guys know us. We can't quit you. So, the KMQ is still going to be happening. Uh, just maybe a little less regularly. On our schedule. Yeah. Whenever, whenever we feel like it. This is going to have to handle it, folks. <laughs> Including, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's going to work. Come here, bud. It's fine. And He's well, just going to keep doing it. I know. It. I prefer him clawing his way above your head rather than mine, though. <laughs> It'll hurt. Um, so, but the show will go on. Um, we just had to get caught up. So, um, but guess what? We could catch up a whole lot quicker if everybody listening right now <laughs> went to Audible or iTunes or Amazon. Amazon and bought just one audiobook. We've got a bazillion, you guys. Pick one, buy it, leave us a review, and uh, we can quit our secondary jobs and do this full time again, which is our goal. So, hang uh, in there. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It is for me. I don't want to. Of course it is. I just. <laughs> we got a lot of emails and texts from people going, is the show over? Is this and that? And I'm like, my dead? first question, which I didn't respond with, but my first thought is, I don't know. Did you buy a book? Did you, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, did you do that? Or you just want to just free shit and that's it? Well, mm -hmm. you know, if you did buy a book, we are not talking to you. <laughs> if you left a review, told your friends, we are not talking to you. The rest of you, we're definitely talking to you. <laughs> the rando lured listeners. Y'all complaining and, where's the show? Well, well, sorry. 
We got to eat. We do. <laughs> we do. Unfortunately, it's a side effect of, you know, existing. Um, so, yeah, you know, help us come back. Buy an audiobook right now. And then tweet us and let us know that you did. I would love to know that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you've already listened to one and you want to tell us what your favorite story was in it, I'd love to hear that, too, on the on the Twitter handle. No DMs. Seriously, we don't look there. No. Go to just the stream. And tweet us live. We'd rather talk to you publicly than secretively. Right. Make but up a it, fake account. There's chaos happening in this there room. There is, this, and it's this, all around me. And it's this little pussy is just getting crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely adorable. Yeah, he is. He's a sweet boy. Yeah. All right. Well, what have we got on the show today, Big Daddy? It's well, a very sexy story. We do, which is part of a very sexy book. Mm. A very unusual book, in mm. our opinion, especially in this space. But what our plan is, we're going to send out the entire audiobook. What? Yeah, we're going to send out IMR, which is our code for Inmedius Res. Yeah. Every single story on there, which is not a lot. Like, it's not one of our 30s or whatever, but they're more involved. They're yeah. longer stories, little higher concept stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one, the main concept is they're from a mm-hmm. second person. Mm-hmm. Point uh, of view. Which Second person point of view. Brainiac over here is going to explain to you oh. what that is <laughs> for those that don't know. Well, it's trouble. That's <laughs> what it is. It causes trouble. It breaks people's brains. And, you know, I have fun with that. I took, first of all, took the restraints off of the authors who contributed to this anthology, meaning what an, a normal publishing house would allow and wouldn't allow, um, I said, you get to just write the story you want. And um, they did. They brought their game. Um, and it's fun. And it, it does, as this book was intended to do, puts you in the midst of things. The stories are from the second person point of view, meaning you, the listener, are doing the things. You are the main character of each and every story. So an example would be what? Like, give me a, give me a sample phrase of what that sounds like. A sample phrase. Well, I mean, an opening scene, you want to have sex, but Jake isn't home. And so you get on your computer and watch some porn and think about Jake. So it's basically, it's you in the story. We are injecting you. So whatever happens or whatever these characters experience is vicariously happening to you, which is fun. I really love that. It's like um, virtual reality. Think Mm -hmm. of it that way. We actually already released an episode from this audiobook anthology, and that was Rachel Kramer Bustle's story titled... Um, basic training. Basic training. That's what it was. Uh, back in May. So if you go to iTunes, just search up basic training and you can listen to that episode, which was freaking hot because it's all about being graded on your blowjobs. So, you know, <laughs> and then that's some. fun, right? <laughs> it gets yeah. pretty hairy. It gets, it gets pretty hairy. Though. Gets, I don't think it's hairy, but it gets wet. Yeah. It gets very wet and sloppy and fun. Um, so, you know, enjoy basic training by Rachel Kramer Bustle. And then today we're gonna give you a little bit of coming of age story. Um, This one is titled The Classical Education of a Modern Man. And it's written by one of our all-time favorite authors, Malin James. Uh, Guaranteed to be enjoyable. I mean, you guys, it's gonna suck you in. God, the way she wrote this was, I mean, she's talk about artist this woman can write a story and and immediately will suck you in um it's pretty great it's a young man coming of age and he's hot for teacher so we'll just leave it right there he's gonna give himself a classical (laughs) education yes (laughs) and it's 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 god it's fucking worth it so sit back and enjoy the classical education of a modern man written by malin james You've always been a good student. 
freakishly good. You could have gone to college at 14 if your parents had let you, but they hadn't. They wanted you to be around kids your own age, so you could, you know, have a life. They're pretty cool like that. Your parents believe in the trivium, which is to say that in addition to having a life, they wanted you to have an education. A classical education. Like the kind you would have gotten in ancient Greece. So they hired Dr. Bixby Charles to tutor you three days a week. Dr. Bixby Charles, the gloriously intelligent goddess of a woman who translates Ovid in her spare time, became your tutor freshman year. Now at 18, you're fluent in Latin, read Homer in Greek, and support your arguments better than most politicians. Thanks to her influence, you also have a passion for jazz that rivals your obsessions with punk, Seneca, and P.K. Dick. All in all, you're a pretty normal guy. Somewhere along the way, Dr. Bixby Charles became Grace and something like a friend. A friend you imagine having sex with in deeply pornographic ways. What's up, Buttercup? You're a million miles away. You're in a corner of the university library, having your final tutoring session when Grace touches your hand. You drag your eyes away from her neckline. It isn't even that low, it's just hers. When you finally manage to focus on her face, she's watching you with smoky gray eyes. She looks amused. Yeah, you say, turning red. I was just thinking about graduation. She smiles and adjusts her wedding ring. You hate that ring, but you look at it anyway, hoping it'll kill your erection. It doesn't. You shift in your chair and wonder for the millionth time why she never talks about her husband. I was thinking about that too, she says. She meets your eyes, and for a moment, you think you see something hot and hungry there. Then she blinks and it's gone. I have something for you, actually. A gift. Really? You sound cool, touched, but not over the top. It's pretty impressive, given that your pulse is trying to choke you. An image of grace spread out on the table hijacks your brain. Damn, that would be a gift. You clear your throat. You didn't have to do that. I know, she replies, but I wanted to. Her voice is dark and smoky, like she's just woken up. It always kind of kills you, but it really kills you now. I want it to. Her hair sweeps forward as she bends for her bag, and you imagine what it would be like to stroke her dark, glossy head while she unzips you with her teeth. You run your hands over your face. You have to get a grip. The gift is probably a really nice pen, or an addition of something meaningful like great expectations. Finally, she straightens back up and puts something in front of you. It's too flat to be a book or a pen, and based on the intellectual gleam in her eye, it's not a blowjob either. Open it, she says. You pick up the box. It's about as big as a deck of cards and topped with a creamy bow. Holding it makes you feel like a happy five-year-old. You try not to tear into it like a kid at Christmas, but the effort makes you awkward, and you almost drop it twice. When you finally get it open, there's a pair of tickets inside. They're for a club in the city, she says. You mentioned a trio a couple of weeks ago. They're playing there this weekend. I'd love to take you, if you'd like. You don't know what to say. The trio you mentioned, the one she, holy shit, remembered you mentioning, is impossible to catch live. But that won't sink in for a while yet. What's floored you isn't the trio, but the fact that she wants to take you. You're still staring at the tickets when Grace goes on. The tickets are for tomorrow, and the last set ends late. We'd have to spend the night in the city. I cleared it with your parents, but it's pretty short notice. You might already have plans. You do, in fact, have plans. They involve drinking beer with your buddy Raj. Your cock twitches like it's casting a vote. You smile. Sorry, Raj. No, you clear your throat. I mean, yeah, I've got plans, but I can change them. This sounds great. This sounds great is the biggest goddamn understatement you've ever made. Grace laughs, relieved, 
like she was actually worried he wouldn't want to go. Great, she says. The dinner reservation is for eight. Why don't I pick you up at your parents' house around? No, you say, cutting her off. There's no way you want Grace picking you up at the house. Cool as they are, your folks would want to wave you off. It would be like prom, but worse. Sorry, could you pick me up here? I can meet you on the steps. Grace's mouth quirks. Sure, she says, gathering her things. I'll meet you here at six. Don't forget to wear a suit. By the time you arrive the next evening, Grace is waiting in front of the library wearing a slinky dress and a pair of heels that do dangerous things to her legs. She's standing under a street lamp like a woman in a film. You stop, derailed by Muppet-like lust. Then she turns and gives you a cockeyed grin, and your heart hits your ribs. It's one of those moments, that turn and smile that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Slowly, deliberately, you adjust your cuffs like you've seen guys in movies do. Then your shoes hit the pavement, and before you know it, you're under the street lamp, too. Hey, she says, touching your lapel. You look great. You clear your throat. Yeah, so do you. You're taller than she is, even in her heels, which pleases you in a deeply primitive way. You imagine her breasts crushed up against your chest. Her wrap slips a little, revealing silver silk and pale skin. Not much, just enough to make you wish it were more. Come on, she says, linking her arm through yours. The chariot awaits. She leads you to a car that is not her normal car. Her normal car is an environmentally responsible 2016 Prius with an NPR sticker on the back. Not that you've noticed. This car is about as far from a Prius as it gets. Holy shit, is that a Porsche? 61 Roadster. I don't take it out much, but this is a special occasion. Damn, you grin, too impressed to play it cool. If I had a car like that, I'd never drive anything else. Then you'd have to add mechanic to your resume. She laughs and opens the door. You toss your bag in the back and fold yourself into the bucket seat. The car is full of her scent. Spices. Vanilla. Something you can't place. She slides in and adjusts her hem, which has inched up her thigh. She's so close you could touch her without even trying. You put your hands in your lap and tell them to stay put. Grace turns the key and the Porsche starts to purr. You love that she can drive a stick, that she can work the pedals like it's no big deal, even in her killer heels. She keeps it reined in until you hit the freeway. Then she opens it up and you speed through the hills and into the city. Before you know it, you're over the bridge and prowling through dusky downtown streets. I grew up here, she says, pulling into an underground garage. You grew up in a parking lot? Grace laughs, even though the joke is lame. Yeah, right here in good old 6C. No, actually I grew up above the club we're going to. She cuts the engine and looks at you. Her face is shadowed and sultry, like a femme fatale's. You let your gaze drop to her lips, and they part just a little like she's catching her breath. The silence between you gets sticky and thick. Let's go, she says. We'll be late. You follow her through the garage and onto the street as she leads you down a nondescript alley to a matte black door. For the first time that night, you wonder where the hell she's taking you. Then she knocks, the door opens, and a man in black tie guides you straight back to the twenties. The place is like nothing you've ever seen. A three-tiered supper club with velvet banquettes, art deco walls, and a huge mahogany bar. The host helps Grace out of her wrap while you slide out of the coat you borrowed from your dad. The place is so overwhelmingly adult that your sex drive gets sidetracked by awkward, cultish panic. Your table's almost ready, Grace. Want to wait at the bar? The host asks. 
She flashes him a comfortable grin. Sure, Charlie, thanks. You watch the host disappear with your coats as Grace slides her arm through yours. Come on, she says. I'll buy you a drink. Ice spreads through your belly. You're three years away from 21. Unless she knows something you don't, they're not going to serve you a drink. They're going to card your ass, pat your head, and pour you a Coke like you're a good kid. Grace squeezes your arm. Don't worry, she says. I've got you. She guides you up to the bar, which sweeps across the room like an old-fashioned ocean liner. The bartender, a silver-haired movie star type, cracks a grin as you approach. He's so handsome, it's almost surreal, like he's a platonic ideal of the handsome man. You're a good-looking guy by anyone's standards, but you're nowhere near your prime. This guy is, like in his prime and a half. You feel totally outclassed. Gracie, the bartender says, kissing her hand. Where have you been? Grace laughs. Busy, too busy. It's good to see you, Mike. What'll it be, gorgeous? The usual for me, and rye for my friend. Ice, not water. Sure thing. Your heart thumps as you wait for disaster, but the bartender acts like you're not even there. You start to ask Grace what her usual is, but before you can open your mouth, the drinks magically appear. Grace raises an eyebrow. The bartender shrugs. I saw you come in. You're the best, Mike, she says, opening her bag. None of that, he says, ignoring her credit card. Your money's no good. Just do me a favor. Don't stay away so long. Jack misses you. And I miss Jack. Grace leans over the bar and kisses the bartender's cheek. Tell Dad I'll visit soon. The bartender gives her a look the kind you haven't learned to read. Then it disappears, and he's a silver fox again. Sure thing, kid. You watch the scene play out, not sure how it should make you feel. All of a sudden, you're uncomfortably aware of how well you don't know Grace. You stare at your ice cubes, feeling weird and raw. Maybe your connection is thinner than you thought. Grace turns to you and smiles, as if she senses your discomfort. Cheers, she says, holding up her glass. Then she takes a sip of her drink. What is it, you ask, feeling like you should already know. A Manhattan. She pops a cherry into her mouth, plucking off the stem with her teeth. Your sex drive recovers, and you find yourself envying garnish. Mike makes the best Manhattans in town, she says. Never can resist. You watch her take another sip. She swallows, and a velvety quality steals over her face. Suddenly, you're nailed by jealousy, wild, irrational jealousy. You hate that he made her look all sexy and soft, even with something as stupid as a drink. So, you say, how did you guys meet? Who, Mike? Yeah, Mike. You know you sound like a tool, a jealous, immature tool, and you want to slap yourself. Grace shrugs, ignoring your tone. He's my dad's partner, she says. Try your whiskey. Her dad's partner? Yeah, you're definitely a tool. You nod, embarrassed, and take a gulp. The rye warms your mouth, smooth and strong, and surprisingly complex. You've never had whiskey this good before. The stuff you're used to is better off in Coke. Do you like it? She asks. Yeah. You say, you take a second sip. Yeah, it's really good. Good, her face softens into a smile. Just pace yourself, okay? I want you sober tonight. Before you can process what that might mean, the host finds you at the bar. Table's ready, Grace. Great, she says, sliding her arm through yours. Lead the way, Charlie. The host takes you to a little booth tucked up against the stage. It's plush and dim, like a half-closed shell. You knock the table as you fold yourself into the cozy velvet banquette, but if Grace notices, she doesn't say. Do you like oysters? She asks. I've never tried them. She smiles and opens the menu. Then that's where we'll start. Oysters, lobster, the steak of the gods. You make your way through course after course, and all the while, she puts you at ease asking questions like she always does. Gradually, you relax. 
By the time dessert rolls around, you're as comfortable as you could possibly be, sitting in a five-star club with a woman you're desperate to fuck. You've just cracked into your creme brulee when the house lights dim. This is crazy, you say under your breath. The musicians are so close that you can almost touch the bassist. You glance at her, eyes all shiny and sweet. I like you like this, she murmurs. Like what? Happy, excited. I'm going to miss you. Her words drift over you, gaining weight as they settle between you. You've always felt the distance Grace maintains, like invisible palms pressed against your chest. But there's no distance in her voice, just a crack along the edge, a shadowy spill of things that can't be said. She meets your eyes in the darkness, and suddenly you see. Something has changed. You lean in. You can't help it. She doesn't move away. I'm going to miss you, too. It's the most unguarded thing you've ever said. Her mouth is a whisper from yours. For a breathless second, neither of you move. Then your heads tip forward and you brush each other's lips. It's a nothing of a kiss. You've kissed girls more seriously in the hallway at school. But you're kissing Grace, and that's a whole different thing. Her tongue flickers, soft against yours, and the world sinks away. No music no club. You force yourself to breathe. You want her too much to stay in this elegant, civilized place. You want her so much that it wraps around your bones. Can we get out of here? The words fall between you like quiet grenades. Her drowsy eyes clear, and she looks at you, clearly concerned. Is everything okay? Do you want to go home? No, I don't want to go home. You reach for her hand, It trembles, soft and small in yours. Suddenly, you're calm. Okay, she smiles. Let's go. You felt like a conqueror when you left the club, but as you cross the street to the hotel, the hero feeling drains away and reality sinks in. You've never had sex before. You've gotten close, really close, but never all the way. Now, you think, you hope, You're going to spend the night with the woman you've wanted for years. A beautiful, smart, mysterious woman who wears a wedding ring and who has probably been having sex since you were in Little League. Clearly, you are delusional. She's probably gotten two rooms or twin beds. She's dropping you off in your nice twin bed so you can jack off while she goes back to the club. You're worse than delusional. You're an idiot. You're about to tell her that you've changed your mind when she leads you out of the elevator and opens the door to your room, revealing a huge four-poster bed. You drop your bag. That's a big bed. Yes, she says. It is. She sets her bag down gently and closes the door. Then she takes your hand and pulls you into the room. You clear your throat, hoping your voice doesn't crack. So, was this all part of the plan? Yes. But what about your ring? It used to mean I was married. She looks past you and smiles. It's such a sad, complicated, adult smile that you feel every minute of life you haven't yet lived. You nod like you understand, even though you don't. Grace squeezes your hand. I have to ask a question, and I need an honest answer. With her long, lithe body, a whisper from yours, you'd agreed to join a monastery if that's what it took. I'll do my best. She touches your cheek in that same sad way. Then she looks you dead in the eye. That bed comes with a condition. We only have tonight. You need to start your life, and I need to live mine. It can't be anything more. Do you understand? Is that going to be okay? You pause before answering, trying to process what she said. The truth is that you've never dreamed of a relationship with her. You don't expect a goddess to be your girlfriend. 
You're just grateful for the time you have. She waits for your answer patiently, like you have all the time in the world. Finally, you nod. It's okay. I understand. Good. She smiles and twines her fingers through your hair. Then she closes the distance between you and presses her hips to yours. Kiss me again. This time, when your mouth finds hers, there's nothing tentative about it. It's the kind of deep, hard kiss you've always wanted to give her. Her lips open beneath yours, and you bend her body close. You know she can feel your heart on, and for the first time since knowing her, you let your arousal show. She moves against you with a little moan. Where did you learn to kiss like that? She asks. You blink, drugged by her swollen lips, thinking about you. Her eyes darken with surprise and something else. Come on, Grace, you say. You had to know. I knew, she says, but I didn't know. Then her mouth is on yours as she yanks the knot out of your tie. You're going to love ties for the rest of your fucking life. Then she turns around in your arms. Unbutton me, she says, sweeping aside her hair. You nod and watch your hand work the tiny silver buttons that trace the length of her spine. You're not used to seeing your fingers in this context, slowly undressing a woman. For a strange, surreal second, your hand belongs to someone else. Then her dress slides off as she turns around, and you're back in the here and now. She's perfect, not in the way you'd imagined, but in a warm, pulsing, flesh-and-blood way. She's willowy and lean with small, high breasts that strain against a lacy thing that barely qualifies as a bra. You drink her in, feeling the weight of her gaze as she gauges your reaction to her. Her calm intensity is the most erotic thing you've ever felt. Fuck, you murmur. She smiles, yes. She unbuckles your belt, dropping little nipping kisses all along your neck before stripping off the rest of your clothes. Her hands skim over your muscled shoulders, your lean ribs, and your narrow waist. You feel young, but not awkward, full of dark potential. Then her hand wanders lower. It's not the first time you've been touched, but with grace, it feels painfully new. Your dick quivers and strains in her hand. Look at you, she murmurs. Your buttocks clench as you try not to thrust. She kisses you, a long, slow, sucking kiss, pulling your lower lip gently between her teeth. Then she takes a firmer hold. You jerk back, afraid you're going to come. It's too much like what you've thought about late at night with your hand around your cock. She looks up at you and lightens her grip. Is this your first time? You swallow, tempted to lie, to tell her you lost your virginity at 12 and haven't stopped fucking since. No, you say instead. I mean, yeah. I've done this, but not everything. You'd be my first. Your face burns red. You're sure she's going to give you some sweet puppy look, a big silent awe, but she doesn't. Her serious eyes never leave yours. The first time is important, she says quietly. Is this okay? You look at her like she's crazy. She seriously wants to know if you want her to be your first. You kiss her mouth on impulse and skim her breast with your hand. Yeah, you say gruffly. It's all right. She starts stroking you again. Long, slow strokes up and down from base to tip. All right, she says. Her eyes are as soft and dark as a promise. Let's take our time, then. She keeps her hand on your cock as you find her mouth again. Your focus splits. Her mouth, her hand, your insanely hard dick. The way her panties are rubbing your sensitive cockhead. You want to rip her panties off and bury yourself inside her. I need to feel you. You barely manage the words, but she hears you and nods. 
she unhooks her bra as you slide her panties down. For a moment, you breathe her in, the musky female scent of her. Then you bend and take her breast in your mouth, teasing her nipple with your teeth. She arches her back and moans. Testosterone literally saturates your system as your hand inches down between her legs. She is so fucking slick. You've never felt a woman this ready before. Her body starts to shake as you stroke and explore. The trembling gets worse when you touch her swollen clit. The bed, she says. You pick her up, place her gently on the bed, not trusting yourself to speak. You try to memorize the moment, what she looks like, how you feel. But there's no way the discipline that takes is going to last. Soon you're on the bed with her, kneeling between her legs. You kiss her, bracing your weight on your arms as you slide your cock back and forth, rubbing yourself against her soft, wet slit. Her eyes meet yours, and she holds you there, matching you breath for breath. You're dying to fuck her, but you make yourself wait. Your arms start to tremble, and your skin gets slick as her tight, achy nipples brush against your chest. She smiles and tilts her hips, shaking and desperate. You let yourself sink into her. Her body is unbelievably hot, like a powerful molten vice. It pulses and surrounds you, pulling you into her muscular heat. The pleasure's so intense your system can't absorb it. Your brain kicks in and you freeze. You're so fucking close, you're afraid you're going to come. You're afraid it'll end before it even begins. Come, she murmurs, like she's read your mind. Come, we have all night. She rolls her hips. Encouragement. Permission. You nod and let yourself thrust, cautiously at first, then with more force as every stroke soothes a bone-deep itch. She moans and moves beneath you, and you let yourself go. Muscles tense, gritting teeth, until you come so hard your heart might burst. When your ears finally stop ringing, her fingers are skimming your spine in long, soothing strokes. I'm sorry, you say. I tried to wait. I know, she murmurs, but I wanted you to come. Her eyes shine brightly in the dimly lit room. But what about you? Her body shifts and you begin to withdraw, but you stop when her fingers press into your hip. No, she says. Stay in me. Just touch my clit. She's already halfway to coming when you touch her. Yes, she sighs, like that. You watch the pale skin of her collarbone blossom a delicate rose color and feel the way her muscles clutch against your shaft. She moans and grips convulsively at your shoulders. Your cock stirs and gets hard again despite having just come. Suddenly, her body bends and she shudders, grinding her hips against yours. Her orgasm rolls over you, deep and hard like the tide. The power of it is like nothing you've ever felt. Responding on instinct, you begin to move, felling, thrusting, stroking. She's barely come down from her first orgasm when the second one rolls in. Get onto your back, she gasps. Her voice is rough like the tongue of a cat. You stop thrusting long enough to roll over and settle her on top of you. She starts to move again. You watch her breasts and bones and thighs as she rides you, your pulse hammering with primitive pride. This woman, this goddamn woman, is fucking you. Touch me, she whispers. You watch her face and find her clit. This time, when she comes, she cries out your name, filling the room with her smoky voice. You lose track of how many times you have sex that night. The only thing that surprises you more than your own stamina is hers. She's hungry for you in a way that you hadn't thought possible, and her desire fuels you on. By the time light starts seeping through the curtains, you've tasted and touched her in every way you can imagine. 
but you still want more. You're tucked up together in a tangled, sweaty heap when the phone on the bedside table rings. She stirs, but doesn't wake. You reach over and answer it. This is your wake-up call, sir. You have never been called sir in your life. Fuck drunk. You laugh at the weirdness of it, but then reality sobers you up. You only get one night, and that night is gone. You feel Grace watching you as you put the receiver down. Time to get up, she says. She smiles, but her eyes are sad. You focus on her eyes, on that sad little edge you discover you need. Hey, she says, touching your cheek. We're still here. Be here with me. She slides out of bed and leads you across the room. The sight of her slipping into the shower, all rumpled and sleepy and smelling of sex, is so different from the woman you've known for years that your cock drags you up despite the ache in your chest. You stand behind her as she flips the taps, tracing her waist and ribs. She melts and molds against you. When steam starts billowing out, she turns and tugs you in. All night, Grace has made it about you, guiding and teaching you without once making you feel like anything less than a man. But as the water slicks her body and darkens her hair, you want to take the lead. Her body is loose and relaxed as you draw her in close. She stretches the long, lazy stretch of a warm, happy cat before wrapping her hand around your cock. Though it's an act of heroic willpower, you gently remove her hand. She looks at you, surprised. Is everything okay? You smile, shoving away the concept of time. Yeah, you say. There's just something I want to do. She gives you a playful look. Really? And what would that be? I want to kneel between your legs and lick your cunt until you come all over my face. You've never said anything like that, not out loud anyway, but it comes out as naturally as if you said, pass the soap. She stares as her cheeks flush a deep and lovely pink. The fact that you made her blush goes straight to your head. You kiss her mouth as your fingers skim her neck, shoulders, and the underside of her breasts. You get down on your knees. She sighs and parts her legs. She tastes like water and sex. You run your tongue over her plump, sensitive clit, lapping up that clean, musky taste. You feel as mellow and lazy as a Sunday afternoon. You could stay there forever. You could live between her legs, but her thighs start to tremble, and she sinks her weight so she can rub against your face. Please. Her voice cracks, and you grab her hips, latching on and filling your mouth with her silky pink cunt. Your cock juts out, desperate to fuck, but your focus stays on her, kissing and licking until you can feel her pulse against your lips. Then she jerks, hips straining, arching her back against the tiles as she comes against your mouth. You feel her come. You taste it like instinct and salt. It's the taste of the night you just spent. Oh my God, she gasps. That was amazing. You look up. She grins and starts to laugh. A giggling, pure, uncloudy laugh. In all the years you've known her, she's never laughed like that. Not wild and unguarded. Not like a little kid. It, it was? Yes. Her eyes are impossibly bright shining and almost silver. She pulls you to your feet and kisses your neck. You feel her smile on your skin. It's your turn. She drops to her knees with a wicked grin and starts working you with her lips, sucking your cock hard with her slow, deliberate mouth. You lean back, close your eyes, and relax into the shower's steam. Two hours later, you and Grace leave the hotel, holding hands. You feel like you've aged ten years, like the night was a time slip, moving you forward in one smooth leap. You're more present, more substantial, like you occupy more space. You have the weight of experience now, 
but you're only just learning to carry it. Neither of you talks as you get into the car. Every mile that takes you away from the city reestablishes your roles. Teacher, student, mentor, friend. Your easiness starts to crack around the edges. Your hands feel like question marks attached to your wrists. By the time Grace pulls into the parking lot at the back of the library, the silence is painful and strained. We're here, she says quietly. You nod and stare out the window. You don't want to see Grace, the woman you made love to all night, disappear back into the role she usually plays. I know. Hey. Her fingers touch your chin and she gently turns your head. Look at me. You close your eyes, prepared for a lovely speech. Or worse, a tactful reminder of the deal you made. But she doesn't say anything like that. She just brushes your mouth with her lips. Less than 24 hours before, the idea of kissing her had been a sweaty fantasy. Now her taste fills your mouth, familiar and warm. Your hands are steady when they cup her neck. You only mean to kiss her back. That's all. Just one last kiss. But when your tongues touch and her breath catches, one last kiss takes on a sharp, desperate edge. She leans into you, gripping your collar as you haul her into your lap. As hungry as you'd been for each other all night, you were careful, caring, and sweet. But there's no room for tenderness now. You push her skirt up around her hips and pull her panties aside, no longer marveling at what you're doing and who you're with, but mindless and driven against the ticking clock. Your fingers clash with hers as they race to unbuckle your belt, and then you're fucking the way two grown people fuck with teeth and nails and blind, hard need. Look at me, she whispers, and you do. You watch her work her body hard against yours. You feel the shift in her and meet her thrust for thrust. She's letting you see something you haven't seen before, a rawer, less civilized version of herself. She comes without warning this time, without the pretty buildup you've learned to expect. Just a shudder and a moan, not polished, but painful, as if the pleasure is cracking her chest. It's honest and real, and so fucking sexy that it pushes you over the edge. She's still riding you when you come, mouth on her skin, hands tangled in her dark, glossy hair. She leans her forehead against yours as your breathing slows. It's Sunday, but the library will open soon. The parking lot will fill up. She kisses you slowly. A soft, deliberate kiss. A kiss like the closing of a door. When she pulls back, you smile, surprising yourself. It's not a kid's smile, not a boy's smile. It's the smile of a man who has everything he wants and is going to let it go. Thank you, Grace, you say. Her eyes go dark. The look on her face mirrors yours. No, she says. Thank you. There's nothing left to say, but her eyes don't leave yours as she eases back into her seat. You take her hand and kiss it, the lightest brush of lips on skin. You grab your bag and open the door. She doesn't look back as she pulls away. You're surprisingly grateful, better a clean break. But you still feel numb as you watch her disappear. The numbness stays with you as you walk to your car and slowly unlock the door. You don't notice your bag is open until you toss it on the seat. A package is sitting on top. It's wrapped in cream-colored paper, the same heavy paper the tickets were wrapped in less than a day before. You pull the bow off slowly, taking your time. You don't have that Christmas feeling anymore. You just want to make it last. When the wrapping is finally off, there's a beautiful book in your hand. The Erotic Poems of Ovid Translated by Dr. Grace Bixby-Charles. She's been working on that book for as long as you've known her, but she never told you what it was. You run your fingers over the cover as if it was the skin of the woman who wrote it. The book falls open easily like it's inviting you to look. Your name stares back at you in bold black print. She's dedicated it to you. For the man you've become for what you've learned to know.
the weight in your chest starts to lift. You tuck the book back in your bag, safe in the folds of your suit. You start the car and grin. The grin turns into a laugh as you roll down the window and head on down the road. Thanks to her, you know more than you'd ever hoped to know. you guys enjoyed today's story. That was The Classical Education of a Modern Man, written by the incomparable Malin James. Follow us on the show, you guys. Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Remember to leave us a review so that more lurid listeners like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy, Dave Carraway. The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists. Kai Engel, Tyler Twombly, Maidan, Fog Lake, Glass Boy, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quick's Erotica podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by In Medias Res, You in the Midst of Things. Edited by Rose Caraway. Produced by Stupid Fish Productions. You. Stupid Fish. Hi. See, now he's calm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's so fun. The entire time he he's figured been just out the chaos. room. <laughs> yeah. He's got the room dialed in now. Yeah. He's like, all right. Now I can chill. Yeah. It's funny, but I liked it. I liked him in here. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I like that added element of chaos going on. (laughs) He's literally crawling up above our heads, (laughs) like ready to pout. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, there he goes. It's so soothing. A kitty cat purr. Very soothing We'll get it in there. Oh, come here, baby. That's a loud pussy you got there. (laughs) Sometimes. Get him really up on it. He's also chewing on my cord. Get it, kitty. Good boy. He's like, whoa, that smells like mama's face. (laughs) What is that? I want it. (laughs) Don't let him claw, though. Yeah, that's the only thing I would. Please don't claw. But he won't. No, he wants to eat it. He's a kid. You got a chaotic pussy. (laughs) He's just the new baby. He's got to learn.